Welcome to Live Well, Be Well, a podcast where we speak candidly about all things health and well-being. My name is Renee Delacqua, and I'm a health educator in health promotion services here at UC San Diego. And today I have a special guest on the show, Dr. Tiffany O'Mara, psychologist at UC San Diego's Counseling and Psychological Services. On this episode of Live Well, Be Well, we'll be shedding light on an important topic that is often left undiscussed, but brings about devastating outcomes, and that is suicide. We want this episode to bring hope to those who may be going through difficult times in their lives, as well as those wanting to support others. So we hope you get inspired, we hope you feel connected, and we hope you discover new ways to live your best life. Let's get started. First off, thank you so much, Dr. O'Mara, for coming on the show today to talk about this extremely important topic of suicide and suicide prevention. Thank you so much, Renee. It's such a pleasure to be back here again. And thank you for bringing up this topic of suicide and suicide prevention. I think it's so important to talk about. Um, But before we start talking, one thing I just wanted to say is that talking about this topic and listening to this podcast today may bring up an emotional reaction, and that's really natural. So I would like to encourage folks to seek support If you find yourself having a strong reaction, whether that's getting support from a friend, a family member, a mentor, or scheduling an appointment at CAPS. Thank you so much, Dr. O'Mara, for bringing up that really important note. I think that's really important for our students to know that, you know, as you're listening to this episode, if it does start bringing up that emotional reaction, just knowing that there is support out there for you. So with that, I'd like to start our conversation about the risk factors for suicide. Oftentimes we hear from others in the media that there is that one thing that caused someone to die by suicide. However, we know that suicide is such a complex issue that involves so many different factors. Can you speak to those factors that may increase a person's risk for suicide? Sure. And first, you know, it's true what you said about suicide being a complex issue. So I'll share some risk factors. And what I mean by a risk factor is that these things may increase the possibility of suicide, but they might not be the direct cause of suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the biggest risk factors is if the person has made previous suicide attempts, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So if a person has made an attempt before, then they may be at higher risk of making another attempt. Mm Another risk factor are mental health conditions, um, such as depression, anxiety, PTSD, uh, which stands for post-traumatic stress disorder, which could include a history of past trauma um, or abuse. And um, especially when these mental health conditions are not being treated, then that can be a risk factor. Also, substance abuse, serious physical health conditions, or social isolation may be other risk factors. And if someone is struggling with a serious or prolonged problem, so for example, a major loss, um, such as losing a job or the loss of a loved one, um, prolonged relationship problems or financial crisis, um, and, and if you're experiencing those problems and then you have a stigma against seeking help from others or going to counseling, then, then that can also be a risk factor. And um, if 
a person has access to firearms, drugs, medication, then that may also increase risk. So again, these things alone don't cause suicide, but they just might increase risk for suicide. Um, and I also think it's important to say that many people experience mental health conditions. Um, and when they get treatment and they learn how to manage their symptoms, they can live very engaged lives. Thank you so much for discussing those risk factors for suicide. And as you were discussing these different factors, it really drove home the fact that suicide is such a complex issue. So with that, what if a student is experiencing these various factors and they're understandably having a difficult time? What support is out there for them? Such a great question. Um, I think that one of the most helpful things is to reach out for support. So connect to friends, family, community. On campus, we have lots of places for support. CAPS provides individual and group counseling and also medication treatment for students experiencing mental health conditions. Um, and we see students for a variety of reasons. So for example, anxiety, stress, depression, substance abuse, um, you know, having experienced a loss, so grief, loss, uh, relationship problems. Um, and for those who may be struggling socially, we have therapy groups for social anxiety, process groups to help them increase insight into interpersonal relationships. And we also have community forums to help students connect with others and build support. Uh, CAPS also offers daily drop-in workshops. And so in these workshops, we teach skills to help students cope with emotions and manage symptoms such as anxiety and depression. The one thing I wanted to say too is that there's no wait for our community forums and our daily drop-in workshops. They're offered you know, every day of the quarter and all these services are free for registered UCSD students. Outside of CAPS, Health Promotion Services has the Collegiate Recovery Program that provides support for students seeking recovery from addiction. The Hub Basic Needs Center on campus helps students with accessing nutritious food, stable housing, and financial resources. Um, and in case of a crisis, you know, an immediate need, I would also like to let um, students know that CAPS offers crisis services 24-7. So they can call our phone number 858-534-3755, press option two if it's after hours, and there is always a counselor available to talk. And of course, if you're ever in imminent danger, you should call 911 or go to the nearest hospital. Thank you so much, Dr. O'Mara. You provided so many amazing resources and that's probably one of the coolest things about UCSD is the fact that there is support out there for students. There are so many different touch points that students can access in order to get the support that they, that they need. So thank you so much for sharing um, all of those awesome resources. Sure. So say you yourself aren't experiencing those risk factors, but someone you know is, say it's a friend, a roommate, a partner, a family member, et cetera. What are the warning signs of someone who may be contemplating suicide? So one thing to look out for is a change in behavior. So do they not seem like their usual self? Um, maybe they're withdrawing from friends or activities. Uh, they may seem very agitated or irritable. They may seem very sad. Uh, perhaps they're sleeping a lot. 
or having a lot of difficulty sleeping. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes maybe they're going to not have an appetite, you know, they're not eating, or they seem really anxious or worrying. Sometimes people will get panicky. Um, So it can be common um, for many of us to have these symptoms every once in a while, right? right? So one single isolated symptom is not something to worry about. But if you notice many of these symptoms, or if something seems to be carrying on for a long period of time, you know, that might be a sign that you want to check in with them. Mm-hmm. Also, if um, their alcohol or drug use is increasing, or if their behavior seems strange or erratic or disruptive, um, or if they seem to lose co- contact with reality, you know, these are really concerning symptoms that you're definitely going to want to check in with, with your friend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you're talking with them, you know, really listen to what they say. And if they're talking about things feeling hopeless, feeling like there's nothing that is going to be able to help them solve their problems, um, you know, if they're saying things like they have no reason to live or feeling like they're a burden to others, or if they feel like they're in unbearable pain, or if they talk about or write about death, dying, or killing themselves. Those are other uh, signs to look out for. Uh, Also, you can look out for behaviors. So um, sometimes when um, people are contemplating suicide uh, and they're really thinking about going through with something, they may start giving away their possessions. Uh, They may start to make plans for after they're gone. So for example, you know, maybe they, they run a a webpage, you know, and and you notice that they shut down that website, or maybe they are shutting down their social media. They may send texts or emails in which it seems like they're saying goodbye. Mm -hmm. Um, They may be searching online for how to kill themselves. um, Or they may be um, looking into the means to, to kill themselves, such as buying a gun or stocking up on pills. So all of those behaviors, they're all things to take very seriously. If you notice any of these things. Wow. It's so, so important that we know these warning signs and those different factors that we can look out for among those that we engage with, whether that's again, a partner, a roommate, um, any sort of loved one. So it's so important that we do know the signs to look out for what advice would you give to someone who say they they do notice these different types of warning signs, not just one single isolated symptoms, but multiple, and they are truly concerned about their friend, their family member, or their peer? Well, how would they navigate that difficult conversation? Because it's not an easy conversation to have by any means, but what advice would you give them to kind of help them along with navigating that conversation? That's such a great question. Um, And I think so important to talk about. And first, I just want to say that it is very scary when you are concerned for a loved one Mm -hmm. and you think they might be thinking of killing themselves. And, you know, I want um, people to know that you're not alone in this. So, you know, if you're not exactly sure what you should do, you Mm -hmm. can always reach out for help, you know, talk with the trusted friend or family member about your concern to get support for yourself. Um, And CAPS is also available to consult with you if you are concerned about a friend or a family member. Um, So you can call our crisis services and speak to someone the same day to discuss your concerns and what you might say or do. That is So, so great. That's so great to know. 
Yes. That's really yes. awesome. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, it's just helpful, I think, to know that, that you're not alone in this, you mm-hmm. know, that, that, that if you don't know what to say, you can call and get consultation yeah. about what, what maybe you should say or, or what you might want to do. Um, sometimes people are worried about talking about suicide. Right. You know, they, they worry that if they ask about it, that it might actually put that idea of suicide into someone's head, or they worry that their friend is going to be mad at them or be offended that they ask that question. Um, so we might shy away from it from asking our friends about suicide. Um, But research shows that, you know, this is not true, um, that we know that checking in with friends is helpful. And I really want to encourage you that talking about it will not cause someone to kill themselves. Um, And so if you ask about thoughts of suicide and they aren't having thoughts of suicide, you know, most people will just clarify that, Mm -hmm. oh, no, no, I'm not having those, those thoughts. But if they are having those thoughts, asking them shows that you are someone who is not afraid to talk about it, that you care about them, and it can open up a helpful conversation. So as far as, um, you know, what to say, um, first, I would ask if, you know, first ask if you can talk with them and be sure that, you know, it's, it's a time and a place where you're going to have privacy. And it can help to start with what we call iMessages. So start by pointing out what specific behaviors are concerning. And then you follow that up by expressing how you feel. So for example, you know, I've noticed that you've been sleeping more, you didn't attend classes last week, and you haven't been returning my texts. I'm concerned about you. And then ask them direct open-ended questions. So open-ended questions are questions that can't be answered with a simple yes or no. Mm -hmm. Um, So like a closed-ended question, are you okay? You know, oh, yes, yes, I'm fine. Um, But if you ask an open-ended question, like, um, please tell me how you're doing, um, or how are you coping with what's been going on in your life? You know, that, that leads the question to be, to be answered, you Mm -hmm. know, then they'll, if they can't just answer with a yes or no. So it opens up the conversation more. Right. Um, If they talk to you about how difficult things have been, I'll sometimes use um, a, a strategy in which I'll say something like, you know, sometimes when people are going through difficult times, they can feel hopeless or feel like giving up. I wonder if you ever feel this way um, or For example, um, you know, sometimes when people feel hopeless or they feel that they're a burden, they have thoughts of hurting or killing themselves. I'm wondering, have you been having thoughts of hurting or killing yourself? Um, So sometimes that can be a way of kind of getting into that conversation, like kind of normalizing it ahead of time. Like, hey, sometimes people feel this way and they have these Mm -hmm. thoughts. I'm wondering, are you having these thoughts? Um, And then also it's okay to just ask directly, are you thinking of hurting yourself? Are you thinking of killing yourself? Have you ever thought about suicide before or tried to hurt yourself before? And if they aren't in any immediate danger, you can talk with them about the importance of support. Um, You know, not just from family and friends, but also from other support resources. So it might help to introduce the idea of building their support team. Right. I love that. Yeah. So, you know, who's your team going to consist of, Mm -hmm. you know, and this can include uh, trying the university's resources such as PACS. And so it can also help 
for you to really normalize reaching out for support and encourage them that asking for help is a strength. Yes, um, absolutely. Feel, I love that. Yeah. Because if you feel comfortable, you know, and you say, Hey, th- this is a thing, you know, it's okay to go to counseling. I think it's, it's a strength to ask for help that can really help reduce stigma. Also, if, if you feel comfortable sharing a time when maybe you've sought support, mm-hmm. you know, that can also help reduce stigma, that this is an okay thing, you know, to ask friends or family or, or to go to counseling, you know, it, it just helps to normalize that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think for so long, there has been like this horrible misconception that when you ask for help, it's a sign of weakness, but it's like, you know, as the community, as a society, it would be so amazing if we could reframe that from, you know, asking for support um, is a sign of weakness to reframing it into something like asking for support is probably one of the biggest signs of strength and of bravery and of courage, because it does take courage to ask for support and help, but it's also, it's you showing up for yourself. It's you showing up for other people. And I love how you mentioned just normalizing that because it's so important that we just reduce that stigma that's often attached to asking for help. Absolutely. I mean, what a strength to, to be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. you know, to be real, to say, Hey, I need, I need help, you know, and, and, um, and, and getting help can, can really be effective and make a difference. So I think that's such a great point. Um, you know, if they're hesitant about calling CAPS for an appointment, you know, you can offer to be there with them as they call for an appointment or even walk them over to CAPS uh, as they're scheduling their appointment. You know, if they w- if they would like, you can be there with them mm-hmm. as they schedule that appointment. Um, and, and I would also suggest providing them with crisis resources, um, especially if maybe they're not ready yet to, mm-hmm. to make an appointment, um, at least know that they've got the contact information. So for example, giving them the CAPS crisis line. Um, and if they're in imminent danger, um, do not hesitate to call 911. Um, so, you know, I think that's really important to emphasize mm-hmm. that, um, you know, if, if you think they're in any imminent danger, please call 911. Um, also remember that university has lots of places for support. So it's not just CAPS, you know, we, we've got the campus community centers, the Center for Ethics and Spirituality. Um, if they're on campus, the resident life staff, mm-hmm. um, and at the colleges, the Dean of Student Affairs, you know, they're incredible resources for students. And, and these are just some of examples of the many helpful resources that we have on campus. Um, And the great thing is that if a student goes to one resource, we're all really good about helping to refer the student to additional support, you know, based on their Yeah. Thank you so much for providing such amazing insight and knowledge into this really important topic of suicide. And I, I do strongly believe that when we have this knowledge, when we have this education, it's such a critical step in prevention. So if you would like to get more involved in suicide prevention here at UCSD, now is your chance. We are actually hosting a suicide prevention walk in collaboration with the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. And we are calling this walk out of the darkness. 
It is our opportunity to really bring hope, to shine light on this really important topic of suicide. And this event is taking place Saturday, May 1st at 9 a.m. And we've actually just received approval for this walk to take place in person, which is absolutely amazing. (laughs) I know it's so it's going to be so amazing to be in community with you all in person. We'll just be in groups of 10. um, So 10's company and we'll be practicing, of course, our usual COVID-19 safety measures of masking, physical distancing, and of course, proper hand hygiene. Um, But if you are not on campus or in the area, you can still participate in this important cause by taking a walk around your neighborhood in solidarity. And so if you're interested in our Out of the Darkness walk, um, be sure to register now. It's registration is free and you can actually just search for the registration link by searching UCSD Out of the Darkness. And we'll also be providing um, a link to that registration in the description for today's podcast episode. And um, Dr. Omera, the last question that I have for you revolves around May's Mental Health Awareness Month. What can students look forward to this upcoming month that will honor and support their mental health? Well, first of all, Renee, I just want to say I'm so excited about going to the Out of the Darkness Walk, um, of course, to support, you know, and raise money for for this important cause. Mm-hmm. But also, I have colleagues that I haven't seen in a year. Yes. <laughs> and, and also, I have colleagues I work with who I've never even met in person. Oh, my goodness. So I'm just really looking forward, you know, just to all coming together mm-hmm. to walk for that important cause. Um, so, yes, about May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So, we have lots of great programming going on. So if you go to caps.ucsd.edu slash May, you will find a large number of events from departments all across campus. So health promotion services, CAPS, recreation, ILEAD, um, FSAP, which is the Faculty Staff Assistance Program. You know, these are just a few of the departments that are offering programming for student mental health and well-being. And there are programs for the entire UCSD community. So undergrad students, graduate and professional students, and staff and faculty. There's really something for everyone. So I highly encourage you to check out the offerings throughout the month of May. And, uh, you know, if you feel a little nervous about attending one of the events or the workshops Mm -hmm. alone, we are really encouraging students, bring a buddy, make a buddy, Mm -hmm. you know, so if you have a friend you'd like to bring, please do. Um, You know, these events, you know, are open. um, And so like the CAPS events, you don't have to be a CAPS client. So bring a friend. And, And if you come alone, that's great too, because you'll have an opportunity to meet someone new and, and get support and build community. And the really great thing, uh, the really great news about all of this is that many of these programs go on throughout the entire school year. So, so you're going to look at the page and say, oh my gosh, look mm-hmm. at all these wonderful events. Well, we're just highlighting them for May, but many of these are happening all throughout the school year. That is amazing. And You all just take advantage of all of these different resources that you have at your disposal here at UC San Diego, because they not only support your mental health, but just if we look at our holistic health, it's supporting all of those different factors that really make us who we are, that make us the amazing individuals that we are. So with that, thank you so much, Dr. O'Mara, for coming on the show today. You have provided such, again, such amazing insight and knowledge into the topic of suicide. And again, I think it's one of the most important factors 
in taking steps towards suicide prevention. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Renee. So thank you all so much for tuning in on today's episode. Again, if you or someone you know is in need of support, know that you are not alone. Contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 for free 24-7 confidential support to those who are in distress, who are seeking prevention and crisis resources, whether that's for you or your loved one. So again, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. You can also text the crisis support line by texting HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741. And again, of course, there is UCSD's Counseling and Psychological Services here on campus that's here to support you. If you are experiencing a crisis in which you are concerned about yourself or a fellow Triton, contact 858-534-3755. If it is after 4 p.m. or on the weekends or the holidays, you can call that same number, 858-534-3755, and select option two. Again, if you or a fellow Triton are in imminent danger, please call 911. Other additional resources that you may find useful include the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, AFSP.org. There's also the Suicide Prevention Resource Center, www.sprc.org, and also the Jed Foundation, www.jedfoundation.org. And I'll be providing these links in the description of today's podcast episode. So that concludes this episode of Live Well, Be Well. If you like what you heard today and would like to learn more about topics related to health and well-being, there is much more to come. Be sure to check out our website, healthpromotion.ucsd.edu, and also follow us on Instagram and Facebook under at UCSDHPS. Also, be sure to check out CAPS's website, caps.ucsd.edu, and follow them on Instagram. Their handle is at UCSD Tritons Flourish. Stay tuned for our next episode of Live Well, Be Well. Until next time, be kind, be true, be you. And remember, to be well is to live well. Thank you.